Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. You can then relate it once you go, well, it's about thanking you for dinner. Okay, so if it's about thanking you for dinner, how could we translate that into a customer environment? Well, maybe it's about thanking them for for their business. When something is easy for you, sometimes it's hard for you to put yourself in the position of understanding people for whom it's not easy for. I really get surprised number of people that turn around to me and go, well, how do you measure an emotion? And you know what, again, it's really simple. You ask a customer. So Ryan, we've had a request in from one of our listeners, which is really good. Always happy to get those. Absolutely. They wanted us to talk a bit more about customer emotions and how you evoke emotions and which emotions to evoke. And therefore, I thought what we would do today is we would do a podcast on the five rules to evoke cared for and valued with your customers. The reason I've chosen these cared for and valued is because what we know is that these things drive value. And that ties nicely into the first rule. (laughs) So first rule is define what emotions drive value. What we know is that over 50% of an experience is about how a customer feels. And yet most people obviously find it difficult to articulate that. If you ask a customer, what is it they want? then typically they'll say, I want to have a cheaper price or I want double the amount of features or whatever it may be. They don't say, I want you to make me feel valued. Yes. But what we also know through all the research that we've done over the years is that those things absolutely drive value. So the question for me is, whilst we will be able to talk generically today to answer our own rule or our own question, which is defining what drives value, we know that feeling valued and feeling cared for do drive value for a large majority of companies. It doesn't necessarily mean that that would definitely apply to your company. Yeah. Uh, although if I was a gambling man, it would. Yeah. I mean, you didn't pick these two emotions at random. You've been doing this kind of work for many years and you've found many years now i've been doing this for many years (laughs) (laughs) and you you found over and over again that these issues of of feeling cared for and and trust and there you know there are a few that pop up a lot and that's why you selected it but importantly it's not always the thing that drives value for any particular customer so it's important to kind of know what you're aiming at and why first if you had to assume that would be a good place to assume But even better would be if you could empirically determine it, figure out what's most important to your customers now. Definitely, yes. And just building on that, 
some people may be listening to this and think to themselves, yeah, but we're in B2B. We're different. Um, people don't want to feel cared for in right. business to business. It's yeah. all very left brain. It's all very logical. Our customers make decisions rationally just on the features and the products and the services that we sell. And here's the reality that nothing could be further from the truth. We've worked across, and just building on what Ryan's saying, you know, I've been doing this work now since 2002. We've got a database of millions, literally millions of questions that we've asked our customers. And what we know is that across all types of organizations, B2B, B2C, different countries, different groups of customers from decision makers to users, people feel emotions. Why? Because they're human beings. And what we also know is, again, feeling cared for and feeling valued are two of the key emotions that drive value. I reiterate, not a lot of customers, not many customers would turn around and say, that's what they want you to do. But the evidence is there to prove that's the case. So that's number one. Number two, define the actions to evoke that emotion. Okay. So again, we get a lot of people who say to us, well, you know, this is all soft and fluffy stuff. And how, how do you do that? How do I get a customer to feel cared for? Or how do I get a customer to feel valued? To me, it's actually, it, it's not rocket science. So let me ask you a question, Ryan. Yes. I hope you don't mind exposing some of your innermost thoughts. But what I would like to ask you is, when have you felt either cared for or valued recently? What happened and what did the person do to make you feel cared for or valued? Both. Let's see. So cared for a lot of times for me is rooted in kind of empathy. So when I've had somebody who uh, recognizes a need that I have and where I don't necessarily even need to ask for help and they're just, they're there and, and offering help anyway, that makes me feel cared for. And then valued is when someone acknowledges things that you have been doing, right? So, I mean, I can tell you last night I made dinner for my family and my wife and I have worked very hard to make sure that the kids always acknowledge and appreciate whoever made the dinner. And so even though I know that it's somewhat perfunctory for my kids to thank me for making dinner for them, they did it and I felt valued. I felt appreciated. Good examples. So if you're feeling either cared for or valued, let me delve down a little deeper. What type of actions are they taking? Uh, Colin, if you're going to charge me like um, <laughs> you know, rates as a therapist for this 15-minute session. Um, yeah. My objective I, I is will, to make you cry. I will <laughs> Well, then you need to set a harder objective for yourself. <laughs> I cry all the time. So, sorry. So what, how, are, how are you digging deeper then? Like what yeah, happens? Well, just if you think of so when somebody is feeling cared for, when you felt cared for, what did the person do? I mean, it, literally in their actions, did they, did they spend time with you? Yeah, what I mean, did they... so, and this goes back to the straw man that you set up with regards to B2B firms. You know, I think that when people who object to that idea and say, no, we're in B2B, people don't care about feeling cared for. I think that they are interpreting it through a narrow lens of actions that can evoke that. So, 
you know, you feel cared for when somebody gives you a hug. Are you arguing that we should be going and giving our B2B customers hugs all the time? Uh, and clearly the answer is no, that it gets you sued. Yeah. But feeling cared for is not just manifest through physical affection that that's appropriate in some places, but it is very much about kind of identifying the needs of others. And so you can feel cared for when somebody says like, I appreciate how busy it must be for you at this time of year in your organization. So let me take care of this for you. And we're just going to give you something very simple for you to deal with because I understand how busy you are, right? I mean, that's a specific action now that's taking a burden off of me and demonstrates that you understand kind of where I'm coming from. Now I'm getting a little choked up, Colin, as I say this. <laughs> I'm going to achieve my objective early on in the podcast. So, <laughs> Damn you, but, yeah, Colin. No. I promised I would try this episode. <laughs> uh, but a, a good example, and, and, and let me take a step back and, and let me – try to explain to people what I'm trying to do here. And again, let me go back and reinforce the rule, first of all. So, you know, the rule is define the actions that you need to take, okay? So if you want someone to feel cared for or want somebody to feel valued, then what is it you need to do to make them feel that way? So I found one of the best ways of just determining this is just to think about, when you as a person, you know, you as an individual has felt cared for, okay, or valued, yeah, or you ask your customers, what is it that people do when they feel those things, either in research or, you know, just in one-to-ones. And typically what you find is is exactly what you're saying, which is it's to do with empathy. It's to do with, and what you were describing, Ryan, is anticipating someone's needs, yeah, it's to do with acknowledgement, your kids thanking you for the dinner, yeah, even though that they may think it's pointless, actually, it does mean something, okay? Mm-hmm. It's to do with just spending time with people. One of the typical replies I'd get when I was answering this type of question is, they listen to me. Yeah. They spend time with me. I feel that when someone values me, I feel like, I'm the only person in the room. They take your calls right away. Yeah, they take their calls right away. You know, no matter how busy they are, they will spend time with me. They will listen to me. They will ask me about my family. Mm -hmm. They're not just interested in business. And one of the things that when someone's got a problem, how do you act when somebody's got a problem? Okay. The point I'm trying to make is, and here's the irony, There are actions that you can take, physical actions, like listening to someone, yeah, that will uh, evoke those emotions, okay? Now, those things are therefore, you can define these things. You can write them down on a piece of paper, and we'll get on to talk about it, but you can train people on this stuff, yeah? Mm -hmm. And therefore, the second rule is about sitting down and thinking about what are the actions that I could take that will evoke this emotion of feeling cared for or feeling valued? Now, again, typically what you find is there's some universal things like listening to people, like anticipating their needs, empathy, those types of things. But you'll also find that there are different groups that will be driven by by different things. It's not just about going and hugging somebody. I know we've got three more rules to get to here, but I, I do want to emphasize the importance of this defining actions to take. And I've 
I've seen where you have done this work with clients uh, where there are these massive brainstorming sessions where you get people at various levels in the organization to fill a room full of those giant post-it notes of potential actions that could be taken. And I think that's a, a brilliant way of kind of pushing this idea forward. I think it does a couple of things. First of all, it does generate lots of specific actions that can be taken. So you're actually generating good data this way that you can use within the organization. But it also serves as kind of a mindset shift where now you've you've got people spending some amount of time thinking very creatively and very concretely about what can be done to achieve this goal of making customers feel a certain way. And so even if I generate... 12 ideas in that session, 11 of which proved to be really impractical. I've now spent an hour, an hour and a half thinking of ways that I could change my behavior to influence customers to feel differently in my interactions. And I, and I think that just the action of trying to do step number two, trying to do this top five number two is valuable over and above whatever actual content comes out that's used. Yeah. And one of the key things for me is what it does is it connects people to that emotion. Yes. So it gets people to start to realize the actions that you take and why they feel cared for or valued or whatever the emotion is that you're doing it. So it gets them to, to realize those things. It's an empathy exercise, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing that I would say that I think is is really useful and a good way of doing this is to get people to, to think about things that are outside of work mm-hmm. and outside of the normal sort of customer behavior. And the reason I say that is because people sort of put blinders on when you start yeah. thinking or think about it from a customer's perspective. Okay. No, don't think about it from a customer's perspective. Think about it from your family or your friends or what's happened to you personally over the last month and think of an instance where this has happened. Because guess what? You can then relate it once you go, well, it's about thanking you for dinner. Okay, so if it's about thanking you for dinner, how could we translate that into a customer environment? Well, maybe it's about thanking them for, for their business. Maybe it's about thanking them for spending their time with them. And that's, and let me be clear, that's not going to be the be all and end all to life, the universe and everything, but that's just one little action that you can take that will move you along the the line to, to get the customer to feel that way. I think it's a great insight. The danger is that if we start thinking narrowly, we're going to come up with the same set of actions that we've always been doing because we're now thinking from that perspective again. I think that's great. Training your frontline team on how to create memories in your customers by evoking their emotions. Beyond Philosophy's unique and proven training methodology, Memory Maker Training. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. So number three, rule number three. Once you've done that, rule number three is design it into your experience. I love journey mapping, but it really drives me around the bend that a lot of journey mapping is is not actually journey mapping, it's process mapping. Even if it is journey mapping, it is people don't look at that emotional side or or if they do, it's very generic. It's not specific. So 
I hear a lot of clients talk about the fact that they do journey mapping and I go, that's great, show us what you've got. And they show us what they've got. Typically, it's just rationally based. If some of it is emotionally, it's just about positive and negative emotions. And for me, again, you've got to be specific. If you want customers to feel cared for and valued, then how are you going to design that into your into your journey? You wrote a paper on this, didn't you, Ryan? Yeah, yeah. We um, published a paper recently that looks at the customer journey from the perspective of social inputs. So the way that other people can influence you along your journey. Not everybody realizes journey maps are really old as an idea. These customer journeys, they date back at least to the late 1800s when people were talking about the different stages people go through before they buy. Having a journey map can be useful for a lot of different ways. One of the ways in terms of what we're talking about today is this now gives you several discrete stages that you can look for specific opportunities to apply those actions that you've already talked about. So now, now at stage one of the journey, what are we going to do to make people feel cared for here? Right? What are we going to be doing to make people feel valued here? Stage two of the journey. Right. So we're, we're now looking for opportunities to start to, to feed in those actions that came from stage two. Absolutely. The designing, and again, let me be clear, when I'm saying design this into your experience, well, if you want your customers to feel that you're listening to them, where in the journey are you going to do that? Are you allowing your people enough time to do that? And that starts to look at things like then the measures, what are the measures or the processes that are impinging upon the person's time that they can spend listening to the customer. And that may be nothing to do with that individual. That may be to do with some of the measures that they've got. So designing how you're going to evoke those emotions, cared for and valued in this case, into the experience by looking at the actions that you've taken. Yeah, I mean, you can think of an example where like you've got a problem and you want it solved by the company and the company has people that you can talk to that will solve that problem for you. And so from their perspective, the company's thinking, yeah, we're listening to our our customers and we're fixing the problem. But from the customer's perspective, from the customer journey, they may have had to escalate that four times before they could get to somebody who would listen to them. So from the customer's perspective, they don't feel listened to at all. Looking at this from an entire journey perspective uh, can be really, really helpful. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. That leads us on to rule number four, and that is train your people on how to evoke emotions. So rule four, train your people on how to evoke emotions. So let me tell you my story here, my usual story here, which is when I walk home at night and I walk in the front door and I shout hello to Lorraine, my wife, within a one-word response, I can tell you how Lorraine is feeling. Mm -hmm. I can tell you if she's feeling happy. I can tell you if she's feeling sad. I can tell you what I should do to, um, if she's feeling sad to make her feel better. I can tell you what I shouldn't do to make her feel worse <laughs> and all those things. And you and I, Ryan, have worked on many training programs that are along this line and, and we call this stuff memory maker training because it makes memories. And that is we humans have the ability to see how another person is feeling through the voice, the cadence, the body language, etc. And we can interpret those signals and we can then pick up on how that customer is feeling. And then from that, you should be able to turn around and go, well, the customer's feeling frustrated. 
And therefore, what is it I now need to do to make them feel cared for and valued? And typically what we find is that you will have the best people in your organization will do this automatically. And typically those people are emotionally intelligent and just do it without thinking about it. But what we also find is that 80% of people don't have that. And they need to be trained in how to identify how the customer's feeling and then give them skills to be able to convert that customer from what they're feeling now to what you want them to feel in the future, which is cared for and valued. And again, you and I have worked on many training programs that look on how organizations do that. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a real, sometimes in some organizations, there's a real empathy gap that happens around training. So as you said, some people get this intuitively. On average, those people tend to do very well in these customer service, customer experience roles, and so therefore tend to be more likely to get promoted. And so when something is easy for you, sometimes it's hard for you to put yourself in the position of understanding people for whom it's not easy for. And so it may be that people who are in in management and who are defining you know, what needs to be covered in training just assume that other people get it because they do. Right? I understand how to empathize with people. And, and so therefore, I assume that you should be able to empathize with people, too. I remember it's always been frustrating for me taking statistics classes. I'm of the, the opinion that... Well, 50% some, of the time is, I suppose. 50%, that's right. Oh, <laughs> I thought we had a rule about no statistics jokes. I'd like to stick to that rule, please. I think that for some people, and I'm, I'm married to a statistician, so I say this with, with love, but statisticians <laughs> are weird. Like, they're they're weird. There's a certain mindset where um, some people just get statistics. It just, yeah. it just clicks for them, and it's very intuitive. And a lot of those people go on to study statistics and then therefore to teach statistics. And it can be very frustrating for the rest of us to hear from those people who act as if this is the easiest thing in the world, because for them, it kind of is. And I think that the same thing can happen with emotional intelligence, where people just assume that everybody gets this. And so therefore, we don't need to spend extensive time covering it. And the experience that you and I have had is that some people do really get it. But there's a larger group who can get it with a little bit of training. One of the bits of feedback that always gets me is when we do this training, is people come up to us afterwards and they say, I'd often thought that that was the case, or I'd often thought I should be doing that. But what this training has done is it has released my potential. This was something that was simmering under there that I thought I could do it, but I didn't really want to talk about it. And now I realise that I was right. And you know what, I'm now going to jump into this and they really do, and they, they really do, really do well. And I think that's, uh, for me, it is about releasing that potential. People feel cared for or valued or whatever that emotion is, and you've just got to get them to make that connection between the action and the outcome. And when you do that, then it, it's surprising how well it goes. I think that's great. Last rule, measure the emotion. So the last rule is about measuring it. And again, I really get surprised number of people that turn around to me and go, well, how do you measure an emotion? And you know what? Again, it's really simple. You ask a customer. So you ask the customer one of two things, either directly, do you feel cared for? 
after either that interaction that you've had with that person in the in the call center or maybe the email that was just sent do you feel cared for or you measure the action that would lead to that so in other words we've talked about the fact that it could be that you feel empathy is an important aspect or feeling listened to is an important aspect or acknowledging what the customer has done, thanking them for the business, going back to your your example, Ryan, of uh, the kids thanking you for making dinner. You can measure those things. You can measure, do you feel that we listen to you? Yes, I do. Well, you know that feeling listened to is linked to feeling cared for and valued, and therefore you can put that measurement in place. And it's not, it really isn't rocket science. The great thing is that by doing that and doing all of this, it goes back to rule number one, which is, you know, it drives value. So if you do this, it will drive value and value is whatever you want to get out of it. It could be improvement of net promoter score. It could be improvement of reducing customer churn. It could be uh, increasing sales, whatever it may be, but it drives some form of value. Let me go back and and just summarize on the five rules. So the five rules are, first of all, rule number one, define which emotions drive value. Rule number two, define the actions that you need to take and make that connection between feeling that emotion, in this case, valued and cared for, and what is it you need to do. Once you've understood that, rule number three, design that into your customer experience. So now I've got this journey map and now I'm designing those specific emotions, important to say specific emotions, into that customer journey. Now I need to train my people, rule number four, train your people on how to evoke these emotions. Don't just assume that they can do it because you've got to release that potential. And then finally, measure it. Measure that emotion or the actions that would lead to evoking that emotion. So those are the, the five rules. I hope that's been of use. Any last pearls of wisdom from you, Ryan? Just something we've said before about emotions where it can feel very soft and squishy and so therefore something that serious business people should not be engaged in. There's a systematic approach to it. Emotions are very soft and squishy, but the process that we laid out here, you can think your way through it, right? You can come up with things that will drive that. You can work those into training. You can build them into the experience. So there is a systematic approach to doing this. Just take that more systematic approach to this soft and squishy topic and you'll be fine. Absolutely. And if anybody wants any further thoughts, then don't hesitate to ping us. Contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com. And last thing, to evoke an emotion of us feeling cared for and valued. Nice, it would be smooth. Smooth, and you've got to love this stuff, haven't you? <laughs> it would be really good of you if you could do a review of the show. We're trying to get out to more people. The more positive reviews that we get, the more listeners we get, that makes Ryan and I feel cared for and valued. So if you could do that, that would really help us. So thanks very much, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Cheers.
This has been the Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.